Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, we have a guest speaker here to share with us an encouraging message about Jesus. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Jesus has done so much for us. So blessed. This, he has, the ushers have Bibles if you need one. So we're going to go back to the, the beginning because Paul here is teaching on the doctrine of regeneration, which Jesus called being born again. I like that term better, being born again. And that's what chapter 6 in Romans is about, what God did and what God does when a man, uh, when a man gives his life and puts his faith in Jesus Christ. What happens to that man? What kind of change does God bring in his life. And we see it here in, in chapter 6, and we see both the teaching of it and the, uh, and the uh, application. So I don't have to do much work. So let's do Let's look at it. Verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? <clears throat> shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because earlier in verse 20, he said, But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And so that's why he asked, should we keep sinning that grace would abound? And then he asked another, then he answers himself, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And that's a question also. And he's saying that there, he's, he's preparing to setting himself up to answer his own question. I like his style. And he says there, look at verse 3, he says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And he's saying something, you know, something happened spiritually. As many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, that's, he's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about when we put our faith in Christ, that the Spirit of God came to live in us and made us a part of His body of Christ. That's what he's talking about, being baptized into Christ, being a part of Him, and becoming a part of His body. Only God can do that. That's something that God does, and and people sometimes don't even recognize it. You know, it's such a work of God, such a wonderful work of God. And this is what he says about that time. He says, you know, he's asking again, don't you, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So another question that Jesus, when he died upon the cross, he said, well, when you were baptized into his body, you too were baptized into his death. And he he died a physical death for our sins as a sacrifice, but we died a spiritual, in a spiritual sense, a spiritual death. And he goes on to explain it. 
He says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And there's something about that. If you turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 2, it gives us a little bit of the information we need to understand that time. And after Corinthians there, uh, Galatians, you can find Ephesians. I, so in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so he tells us about our life in the world before we knew Jesus. He said, that's what it was. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We couldn't do anything but. You know, it was, it was in us. We were habitual sinners because we were dead in it. And we, could, we weren't alive enough to come out. And, so, and then he goes on to say that we walked according to the world just like everyone else and according to the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air there, Satan. And then he says, verse 4, but God, and I love that part, he says, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Isn't that something? That G This is what Paul's talking about, that, that making alive. It's a, a, very, a, a very unique thing that God does in a man or a woman's life that comes to him. And it's written here, as you look at there at verse 4, he says, therefore, again, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in newness of life. Newness of life is the evidence of being raised with Christ. If, if, you ever, if you ever wonder what people want to hear in the gospel is they first hear what they see in a Christian, right? They first see a changed life. Wow, I knew what you were, and you have changed so much. And that newness of life, that total radical change that God brings is, is evidence enough for people to turn to Christ and to question and to wonder. And here again, Paul is saying that, that, you know, we were baptized when we received Christ, we were baptized into his death and raised just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory uh, of God the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And he goes on in verse five and says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death. And there he, he sort of clarifies it with the word likeness. We didn't actually die. Something did actually die. But we were in the form of his death. And he said there that 
he said that uh, we, <laughs> if we, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So God wasn't just looking to change us and get rid of, cut off and deal with our sin, but also to bring new life. And that's what he did through Jesus Christ. He brought new life. He brought the resurrection life also in us. And you see, Paul's going to go on to talk about these things in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. I hated being a slave of sin. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, and there's a great way that Paul writes it to the Corinthians also. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and you look there uh, at verse 14, he says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, and those that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So here's the new life. The old life was I did whatever I wanted. Man, I made a mess of it. Just I'm sure you've heard from Al how much of a mess we made of it. We just ruined it on purpose, right down into the tube. You know, just horrible. And then, so that's what we did when we were dead in our sins, all about ourselves, all about me. Now it's changed. This newness of life that Paul's talking about is this life that we live unto God. Just like it, we should no longer live for ourselves. And that, that's the world, isn't it? So full of self and can't get themselves out of the way, just like we couldn't need Jesus. And look at what he goes on to say there in 2 Corinthians. He says, but we should live, or but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, uh, yet now we know him no longer. And notice he says here, this is again the description of what happened in that change. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What a beautiful thing. He's not patched up. Not, Jesus doesn't patch people up. He doesn't, you know, overhaul people like Rick said about his motor you know, you can overhaul a motor again and again. You can't overhaul people. They need to be made brand new. And that's what Jesus does. That's what he does. He cha His change is so radical and so real that he's, he's made us brand new, the Bible says. New creatures. And if you notice there... Uh, Again, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. And we bring them back sometimes, but they are gone. We testify to that. We should leave, let them go, right? I don't want that. 
But he said, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's pretty uh, significant when you use the word all. That's, that's significant of saying something real. And he's not saying, well, this is new, and, but we, didn't, we couldn't do anything with that, but this is new. And, and he said, all things are new. And that's the life that we live in. You see where Paul's going with this. He's going to teach us how to, how to live that life. I need to learn. I, I'm still learning. I, I continue to learn. Well, always will, right? So going back to Romans 6, he tells us here about that very thing. For, uh, you know, if we've been united, we'll also be in his resurrection. You know, if, with his death, we'll be in his resurrection. And he says in verse 6 that the old man, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. What is the old man? He says it there, that the body of sin might be done away with. So when you think about what Paul wrote to Corinthians that we just read, what old things are passed away? But the old man, the body of sin, the bondage to sin. And what is it now? You know, it's we're life unto God. And he says here, again, everything he says in here is so wonderful. So it's such good news. And, and he says that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Man, being a slave is rough, but being a slave to Satan and sin is the worst slave. It's the worst because he's only interested in ruin, you know, just damage, damage over and over again. You know, damage the marriage, damage the kids, you know, all that. And Jesus, on the other hand, he said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. I like that because it's life in the marriage more abundantly, life with the children, life in the church and in the community, right? It's an abundant life. And so here Paul goes on and he says, uh, for he who died has been freed from sin. So we talked about in Ephesians being dead in trespasses and sin. A dead man can't change his course. But a, a living man, somebody who's been made free, who's been emancipated from bondage to sin, can change it. He has, he's a free will man now. He can choose. And what did... Uh, you know, Paul told us what to choose to live not for ourselves. Where does that end up again? It ends up right back in the old place. Every time I, I get my own mind around, so, oh, this is what I want to do, I go right back, you know, just in bondage of my own desires and all the rest. But it's to live for Jesus. It's to live for God and the life that he has. And that's a liberated life. God is not a taskmaster. He's a bunch of very much a gentleman. He won't force anyone to do anything. It's all willingly. It's, will you do that? Will you, if you do it, praise the Lord, you're going to be blessed. And you're going to bless someone. But if you don't do it, he won't force it on you. He's not a 
taskmaster. Again, he's a gentleman. So you continue to look at the teaching part of what what Paul is saying. In verse 8 there, he said, For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, Jesus isn't dying again for our sins. It's accomplished for you, for me forever, for our families forever. There's a price that's been paid for sin once and for all in Jesus Christ. And it's there for the, for the receiving for all men. It really is a wonderful thing. And the Bible calls it good news. It's, it's great news. And he goes on to say here that knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Exactly what we heard in, in 2 Corinthians, the, that we're to do, that the new life that we have is to God, just like Jesus here he died to sin, but now in his resurrection, he lives to God. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because now in verse uh, 11, he begins to talk about what do we do with this knowledge of what Jesus has done for us? How, how do we respond to that? How do we, how do, you know, what do we do? Because you can read the Bible, right? And, and, you, and you look at it and you go, wow, that's awesome. That's wonderful. But what do I do with it sometimes? And you got to pray. you got to ask the Lord, help me to apply these things to my life. But we don't have to do that here because we have it written in Scripture. And so verse 11, he says, Likewise, or just as Jesus is now living to God and after the resurrection here, and he did before. But he says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is something, the word reckon, I, I live in the South, they don't use it much, but they used to, the word reckon. We don't know what it means, but if you, you know, if you look at, uh, it's actually an accounting term in the Bible, and if you look with me at Galatians, I, I don't know. I know they're on the screen. I like to turn the page. Uh, I have hearing aids. I can hear your pages turning. It's great. So you look at Galatians chapter 3, and it says something here about that word. And it's used here, actually. And uh, in chapter 3, verse 6, it says here about Abraham. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The word accounted is the same word. And it's an accounting word, and it means that righteousness was placed in Abraham's account because he believed God. And in this case, coming back now to Romans 6, what he's saying here is now we have to put what Christ did for us, dying, raising from the dead, into our account, in action, so to speak. And that's something that you and I have to do. We, we have to choose to walk in these things 
And how do we do it? We do it by faith, right? And, and here's what he says again there in verse 11. He says, likewise, you also reckon or consider yourselves, and word mean, consider yourselves to be dead, indeed to sin. And you know what that means simply, and you do know what it means, but you know what, it, it's, it's to say the things I used to do, I'm dead to those. I, I don't do them anymore. I have no life in them. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead to it. I, I, I don't want any more of it and to turn from it. And, that, and that's what a free man can do. He can choose. Jesus set us free from the bondage of sin and death so that we can apply this to our lives and say, you know what, I'm not going to go there anymore. I don't want that. I want Jesus. I want to know the life that he gives, you know. And so he goes on to say, but, you know, on the other hand, not only turn from uh, sin, but, you know, to be dead for, uh, to sin, but he says, but also to be alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So there's two things. It's not just one. It's not that I'm just dead to sin, but now I have a new direction in life. Now I'm alive to God. And the first day I woke up born again, I remember thinking about God. Never did it before. You did it too, I imagine, you know. And that's how you know you're alive to God. Never thought about God before in that sense, only in church sense. Never thought he was with me or he cared about me. Didn't know. And then all of a sudden, there's a connection. And it's open, right? That's what it is to be alive to God. I can talk to him. I know he's present with me. And what a beautiful thing it is to think about because here, we have to apply the alive to God in order to continue to walk without sin, leave that old life behind. Those two go together. It doesn't, we will never be slaves to sin again, but we do play with sin. And he said there, it's so important to apply this, to apply this second part as well to me, for me personally, for you personally, that I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. He wants me, he cares about me, he loves me, and he wants to hear from me. That's what prayer is, to talk to God and to, and to have a relationship with God. That, that's what it is to be alive to God, to have a relationship. And in that relationship, you know, is the most blessed thing it's the change, more change, you know, more secure in our faith, more, you know, walking. We feel like both feet are on the ground, you know, and we're all right. I can do this. I can walk with Jesus. You don't feel like that sin, that old life is nipping at your heels constantly. You become free more and more from those things in reality. And so in verse 12, he said, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And why does he say, don't let it be? Don't let sin reign because it's an option. Remember, we've been made free. And now we have to give sin power over us by obeying it. 
We have to choose sin over Christ. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, before we didn't choose, we just did. We were dead. I just did what I did. And somebody came along with something else, I did that too. This doesn't matter. But now I can choose, you see. Now I can choose. And the blessing is here that Paul's saying, don't let it rain. Don't let it have its way. Don't let it overtake you. And we don't have to, right? We're free. And he goes on to say, and do not present yourselves, or present your members, your bodies, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. That's so simple, right? He's saying, no, don't go there anymore. Don't go to the bar anymore. Don't, don't go there anymore. Don't go the places you used to go. Don't give yourself to those things that you used to do. I think about, this is real strength, by the way. You know, before I was sick, I, I had muscles. I thought I was strong. But I, you know, you can't turn with those muscles away from sin. The muscles that we need to turn from sin is Jesus. Is to walk in this freedom, this wonderful liberty in Christ. And he says it here. Again, don't present yourselves, your body to sin. But notice, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. See, I think about that. And Christians, we have to be careful today that we don't just present ourselves to church. We don't present ourselves to Christian work. But we need to present ourselves to God. That means, again, the relationship that I'm showing up and I'm meeting with him. I'm having my time with him. I'm getting to know him. That's what Christianity is about. You know? That God said, hey, this is the way I want you to walk. You can't live without me. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. And so I need to get to know him. I need to walk with him. I need to really spend time with him in order that his life begins to be my life. And that I can trust him and, and just whatever comes, Lord, I, I know the way to go to you. I know where you are. I know that you love me, that you're with me. I know all those things, Lord. Even when the enemy's barking in my ear, I know. I know your character. And he's saying here, do this. Present your body to Christ. In chapter 12, he says, Present your body a living sacrifice to God, holy, acceptable, right? Without all the sin, which is your reasonable service. That's your reasonable worship. It's so reasonable, isn't it? It's reasonable for me to go to God and take my life to him because he gave his son's life for me. It's so reasonable that... This life that we live, if you think about what we have received in Christ, is so reasonable for me to serve him and to get to know him. And if I don't, that's so unreasonable. It's so unreasonable for me to go do my own thing. I'm not thinking. 
you know. And God said, no, come on, be reasonable. Come to me. And, and Paul is saying the same thing. Bring your whole body to Jesus. Bring your whole body. Spend time with God. And he said, why? For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Grace is a wonderful thing. He said, well, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Paul tells us something that is so true, and we've all experienced it in our lives for sure, that when we gave ourselves to, you know, covetousness, when we, when we were, oh man, the magazines come, the newspaper with, oh, I got to have that, I want to get that, and man, uh, oh, covetousness, I'm a slave to it. I become, I give myself to it, you give yourself to it, and become a slave to it. You can't get rid of it until you realize it, which could be sometimes years and so whatever it is, I could be a slave to any kind of sin. Not just covetousness. And he's saying, then we begin to present ourselves to it and present ourselves to it. And he says, no, present yourself to God. This is the answer to presenting ourselves to sin, is to present ourselves to God in a full relationship to him. I know that's totally simple, right? You go, man, you're not telling me anything. I know. It's a reminder. But it's so important. See, everything in this new life of ours has to do with God. Everything. We live to God and from God. Everything that we need, we go to him, we give it to him, we take our troubles to him. But if I need to act, I need to love my neighbor, I, that, that person at work who's just really hard to love, I got to get that from God. I got to walk in the spirit. I got to be able to take it from the Lord. And then therefore I have to be to go to him first. But everything in this life, I live to God and from God. Everything he asks us to do, you know, to be a mother, to be a father, a grandparent, or a, or a young man or a young woman, I, I need help. And if I'm going to live according to God's will and God's way, I got to go to him so I can get what I need from him so that I can live it out every day. And man, his resources are plenty. The, the, the psalm says he loads us with benefits daily. I like that load. It's light, but it's good. It's so necessary. Those benefits, his grace, his strength. And Paul goes on, he says that, that this is the problem. Whoever we obey, if we give in to our flesh, we're going to be caught up in it. We're going to be slave to it. We're going to be a free slave, but we're going to have become a slave because of our own will. 
And you know what? Some, you know, some of us may be here today going, man, I got to get out of this. I got to get I got to get back to the Lord. And he's the answer. You can come back and there's not 12 steps to get back. It's just one good step. Say, Lord, forgive me. I've been away too long, you know. Forgive me. I want to come back to you. And immediately, you know, he restores us. That's what he said to John, First John. John said, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So important. He says here, going on, we are going to, we've got to do the whole thing. I mean, it's just like that. But he says, but verse 17, but God be thanked that through you, uh, though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And, and it is for God to be thanked, right? It is God. We thank God that he has delivered us from this bondage of sin. And he says what? He says there again, and having been set free from sin, you came... You became slaves of righteousness to speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. And we, flesh is weak. For just as you presented your members to slaves of uncleanness and of a lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness." It's something about that in verse uh, 19. To present your members to, to righteousness, for holiness. God, when he spoke to Abraham, he said, Be holy as I'm holy, says the Lord. This is the end game, right? God's looking for. He's saying, you come to me, you bring yourself to me and become my slave of righteousness then what is he saying? He said, what will it produce in your life but holiness? And that's what he says there. The fruit of our unrighteousness was shame. It certainly was. He said, for when you were slaves, verse 20, of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. What, when, what fruit? It was horrible. But he said, now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Imagine this. The fruit that God wants to bear in us is holiness because he's holy. And the word is interesting word. You know, many times we think of purity, holiness means purity, holiness, but it means being dedicated to God. So as we go to the Lord, as we go to the Lord, we're taking ourselves to become slaves of God and of righteousness. We become holy. In the true sense of the word, we become dedicated to God. Just as he is dedicated to us, he said, I, you, you be holy as I'm holy. He said, I'm dedicated to you. 
And he said, what about you? Right? I said, I'm trying to make you holy. I'm trying to work in you so you don't go back. So you don't look at all, you don't go back and play with those things anymore. If you keep coming to me, then you will be changed. And I will make you holy. And that's a process. Because I'm, I'm typically not dedicated to anything unless I get discipline. And discipline is necessary for coming to Christ, to spending time with him, praying, reading the word, putting it to, you know, putting feet to the word, so to speak. And then God said, now you're going to be dedicated to me. That's what I want. That's what you want, right? If only I didn't give up so easy, right? If only I didn't, well, keep coming. God, and when I sin, when I, when I do something I shouldn't do, Lord, I come and get forgiveness. If I need grace, I come and get grace. Mercy, get mercy. He has everything we need. But the more you come, the more you will come. And that's a beautiful thing, you see. The world needs to hear the gospel, but it first sees the gospel in a resurrected life. Why do you live the way you live? I serve the Lord. He saved me. I serve the Lord. That's what I do. He's, he's changed my life. And that, that is the sometimes the best gospel ever preached is the changed life. And so you think about it this morning, wherever you are with your relationship with God, you know, maybe you're thinking, well, I need to keep coming, man. I've been coming sporadically, and it just doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work to be a part-time Christian or to think, well, I go to church regularly, but I don't open my Bible regularly, and I don't, you know, I don't pray, and I don't. Listen, we all do the don'ts. Well, we don't do the don'ts or however you say that. But the point is, it's always today. You see, God never asked anyone where you've been. But he asked Elijah, what are you here for? <laughs> and that's what God said. What are you here for? You know, it doesn't matter where you've been. What are you here for? And he's ready to take you and change you and your family will see it. Some of you already know, I know, you. God's blessed you, your family's seen it. But for some, some others, they need to see, they hear, but they need to see a different man or a different woman. So let's pray, Al can come up. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, for these people. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.